This book reflects my attempt to bring together insights I've had since I first began to read about anarchism over a quarter century ago. Insights frequently gained as a result of my encounters with other writers. I've drawn freely on the ideas of a variety of anarchist thinkers who have argued in different ways for the superiority of cooperation over violence, of peace over aggression, of freedom over coercion. Thus, while I have, as much as possible, avoided specific references, I have attached a list of resources for the benefit of anyone who wants to think more about anarchism. I'm grateful to a variety of people who devoted time and energy to reading and reflecting on some or all of this book during its development. Kevin A. Carson, Brad Spangler, Teresa Warnke, Sheldon Richman, Thomas L. Knapp, Stephen Kinsella, D. Frank Robinson, James Tuttle, and Jean Mays. Jeff Riggenbach, Penelope Aletras Late, and Armando Benitez copy-edited the manuscript and saved me from embarrassment at multiple points. Eduardo Brugman, Esteban Salcido, Brandon Snyder, A. Andrew Trong, and Roderick Chi Long, among others, contributed helpfully to the design process. The assistance of Jim Perrin and the other members of the Cobden Press team has ensured the production and rapid distribution of an attractive and affordable book. I'm very pleased by and appreciative of their work, and I'm honored to be associated with the press's eponym, Richard Cobden, co-founder of the Anti-Corn Law League, who challenged aristocratic privilege that limited ordinary people's access to inexpensive food, promoted the cause of peace and non-intervention, urged reductions in military spending, and rejected the evil of slavery. And thanks, of course, to the usual suspects, Eleanor Webb, Jeffrey Cassidy, Annette Bryson, Ina Prakash, Alexander Leon, Andrew Howe, Angela Keaton, Anne-Marie Pearson, Bart Wilruth, Carol Pateman, Craig R. Kinzer, David B. Hoppy, David R. Larson, Deborah K. Dunn, Donna Carlson, Ellen Hubble, Eva Pascal, Fritz Guy, Jan M. Holden, Jesse Lehman, Joel Sandifer, John Elder, John Thomas, Julio C. Munoz, Kenneth A. Dickey, Lawrence T. Garrity, Leisure Radoyas, Mark A. Benzikane, Maria Zlativa, Michael Orlando, Nabil Abuasal, Patricia Cabrera, Roger E. Rustad Jr., Renell Harvey, Ruth E. E. Burke, Sel J. Huang, W. Kent Rogers, and Wanil Kim. I am particularly indebted to Eleanor for moral and logistical support and for welcome opportunities for dialogue and exchange. All of the author royalties I receive from the sale of this book will be donated to antiwar.com. I'm enormously grateful for the ongoing contributions those associated with this remarkable journalistic endeavor make to the cause of creating a society organized on the basis of peaceful, voluntary cooperation. Introduction. Open your mind to anarchy. As an idea, anarchism is the conviction that people can and should cooperate peacefully and voluntarily. As a political program, it's the project of doing without the state. Because governments are rooted in the use of force, Anarchists maintain that no actual government is legitimate and that, in any case, we would be better off without the state. Anarchists reject any kind of authority acquired or maintained through aggressive violence or fraud. More broadly, many anarchists, including me, maintain that the same ideals that motivate their opposition to aggressive violence prompt them to challenge social institutions and cultural patterns that subordinate, exclude, or impoverish people, stultifying their lives or force them into soul-numbing conformity. People can and should organize their interactions on their own terms. We can defend ourselves against aggression. We don't need the state to force us not to kill each other. 
and we don't need the state's help to coordinate our interactions. Working together, we can craft meaningful lives and livable communities. Anarchism as a positive vision. Sometimes people wear the anarchist label or hoist anarchist black flags when their primary goal is just to spread a little chaos. Even people who know better may sometimes act as if anarchy were just another word for disorder. But anarchism, as I understand it, is about the best kind of order imaginable, the kind that emerges voluntarily, spontaneously, as people work creatively together to shape their lives and plan their futures. Anarchy is what happens when social order flows not from the state's gun barrels, but from peaceful, voluntary cooperation. Roughly speaking, a state is an organization that claims to have legitimate authority over who uses force in a given territory and that does at least a moderately effective job of keeping unapproved violence under control. More on this later. The state in the modern sense has been with us for over 300 years, and states of various kinds are much older than that. So it's easy to treat the existence of states as inevitable. But, for anarchists, there's nothing necessary about the state at all. States persist because of the self-interest of the powerful people who manage or manipulate them, and because ordinary people haven't realized their own power to imagine and implement alternatives. In this book, I want to help loosen the hold the state still has on people's imaginations. I want to point out that, as in Hans Christian Andersen's famous tale, the emperor really has nothing on at all. I want to encourage you to shift your point of view, to come to see the state as a group of people no different from your neighbors, with no more inherent authority, no greater right to tell you what to do. Of course, your neighbors are unlikely to threaten you with guns if you don't do what they tell you to do, but this difference hardly counts in the state's favor. I want to undermine the myth that the state represents us in any meaningful sense, that when politicians and generals act, they're acting on our behalf. I want to underscore the fact that the people who make and implement state decisions are pursuing their own agendas, often in conflict with our own, just like powerful people in big businesses and other similar institutions, and that we have no reason to treat them with reverence to view them as anything other than ordinary people with rights just like ours. This isn't a primer, a narrowly academic work in philosophy or economics or political science or history, though it's informed by the results of inquiry in all those disciplines. It's a manifesto, a call to action, not to more violence that's just the mirror image of the state's own destructiveness, but to the creative work of envisioning a new kind of society and beginning to construct it here and now, right under the noses of the people in power. Why I am an anarchist. I'm an anarchist for several reasons. I'm an anarchist because I believe there's no natural right to rule. I believe people are equal in essential dignity and worth, which means, in turn, that they have equal moral standing. That makes it hard to justify giving some people those who rule the state and those who enforce rulers' decisions, rights that others don't have. And I'm an anarchist because I believe the state lacks legitimacy. Some people argue that rulers deserve to have more rights than those they rule because their subjects have consented and continued to consent to their authority. But I believe they haven't. I'll talk more about these reasons for being an anarchist in Chapter 1.
I'm an anarchist because I believe the state is unnecessary. I try to explain why in chapter 2. Statists often maintain that having a state is the only way to have a peaceful society. I disagree, on both theoretical and empirical grounds. I believe that non-state institutions can provide the services the state provides, but more efficiently and flexibly, and there's good evidence that they're capable of doing so. In addition, I am convinced that if the state has the power to do good things, even very good, very useful, very important things, it will almost unavoidably use that power in authoritarian ways. It will use the power it has to regulate people's lives and to acquire more power. As I'll emphasize in Chapter 3, I'm an anarchist because the state tips the scales in favor of privileged elites and against ordinary people. Contrary to what good government types will tell you, that's just what it's designed to do. The state tends to promote inefficiencies through subsidies, monopolies, patents, tariffs, and other mechanisms that allow elites to avoid paying the actual costs of what they do. It forces ordinary people to bear the costs of elite decisions and to adjust their preferences and their behaviors to suit conformist majorities. I believe a stateless society would be more likely than ours to foster efficiency and productivity and to avoid varieties of hierarchy and exclusion states tend to promote and protect. Anyone who cares about the power of wealthy people and big businesses, the prosperity of ordinary people, and the well-being of the poor and the vulnerable should say a resounding no to the state. I'm an anarchist because the state tends to be destructive. It engages in war and plunder and it seems persistently to be involved in ratcheting up the level of violence and injustice across borders, which are, of course, themselves state creations. There's more about this in Chapter 4. I believe a stateless society would feature much less large-scale violence than ours. I'm an anarchist because the state restricts personal freedom as a way of maintaining order, benefiting the privileged, preserving its own power, or subsidizing some people's moralizing preferences. And there's a natural connection between state power and the imposition of limits on freedom. I offer some examples in Chapter 5. I'm an anarchist because I want a society marked by diversity, exploration, and experimentation, because I believe states impose conformity and resist creativity, and because I believe a stateless society would provide opportunities for people to explore diverse ways of living fulfilled, flourishing lives, and to put the results of their exploration on display. I make this point in more detail in Chapter 6. I'll talk about the shape of life without the state, and outline some of the concrete steps we can take to stop oppression and violence and to begin creating a new world.